Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. I'm continuing with this working with God, but especially from the perspective that He was taking in relation to your call, uh, so that you don't get lost. And some of you just what I shared about Enoch was more or less a general calling, like you were talking about. So let's narrow it down to specifically individual callings. Hallelujah. So that we begin to understand much more how to work with God. Uh, last energy section I mentioned to you that call differs, like he said in the beginning. And this is very, very accurate and truth. You have to understand that. For instance, in Genesis 6.13, we don't have time to read all of that. Genesis chapter 6, we find that uh, 13 up to, up to 16, we find that God called Noah and asked him to build an ark. Is that okay? Right. Then when you go to the book of Exodus, God called Moses and asked him to go and bring the people out of Egypt, but specifically to build a tabernacle. God told Noah to build an ark. God told Moses to build a tabernacle. He never told them to repeat what Noah did. Hallelujah. Are you with me? I want you to get it because it's very important. Jesus himself, as it were, let me even use the word, the Levites, they were picked to become priests from among the children of Israel. That's a Levite. And you know, when you look at First Chronicles 28 verse 11, David told Solomon to build according to the pattern that I have given to you. God gave David a pattern. Just like he gave Moses a pattern for his own tabernacle. Are you with me? And there's something very important we have to understand about the tabernacle of David. In the tabernacle of David, there was no partition. Or like Moses, or like even Solomon, if you will. There was no partition. Tabernacle of David, no partition. You stand here, you see through, up to the ark, or the most holy place. And uh, something unique about the tabernacle of David... Uh, early times when I came to the faith, I was told the tabernacle of David means the reintroduction of music instead of singing hymns like the early times. So it means introduction of music and playing drums. You understand that? That's it because David was a psalmist. But that's not true. You look at Acts 15, tells you that the Bible talks about the restoration of the tabernacle of David, where they begin to say the Gentiles were coming. So what tabernacle of David really stands for was the priesthood of Melchizedek. That everybody can go before the Lord. Because David was a king. He don't have right to worship before the Lord. It was a high priest that was supposed to go before the tabernacle. But now David will go and worship there. God never rebuked him. So David was a king and a priest. That's Melchizedek. That's the tabernacle of David. Are you with me? So God told David to build him a tabernacle. He gave Solomon a pattern to build. You know, and so on and so forth. I'm trying to say every pattern... Is very unique to the people that are called. And then we know that Joshua was specifically called 
to take the people to the promised land. Is that okay? Right. Moses was taking them there, but Joshua was going to anchor it. Let me look at Joshua. Just Deuteronomy 31. Let's look at this. 31 verse number 6. The book of Deuteronomy. 31 verse number 6. Praise God. He said, be strong and of good courage. Fear not. Nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God he is. That doeth go with thee. He will not fail thee. Nor forsake thee. Can I hear an amen to that? And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel. Be strong and of good courage. For thou must go with these people unto the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them. And thou shalt cause them to inherit it. Can I hear another amen? amen? All the people God brings your way, you are going to bear them to their own inheritance. Amen. I say you are going to give them their own inheritance. Amen. And the Lord, he it is that where God before thee, he will be with thee, he will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not. Neither be dismayed. Amen. Now this is a special commission that God was speaking through Moses under Joshua. This is what you're going to do. God called me to bring the people out of Egypt, take them to the promised land. But God has called you to be the one to share the land for the people. Moses never divided the land to the children of Israel. For Joshua did that. That was a specific assignment. And that's the call of Joshua. That had to be the walk with Joshua. Is that okay? Joshua have to walk in this dimension with God. So that calling that was upon the life of Joshua was his walk with who? With God. And that's why I said the Lord will not forsake thee. So he was walking with God. Praise the living God. I want you to catch this. That if you really can define your calling in God, you get to establish that at the back of your mind that God is with you wherever and anytime you walk in. God is with you. That is something you must not. Remember he told them, when talking about going to preach the gospel to all nations, say, the Lord is with thee. The Lord doesn't forsake you. He gives you an assignment. He's going to be with you. Whether finances, whatever it is, the Lord is going to make provision for your work to prosper in the name of Jesus Christ. Let me take some facts about leadership. Leadership is not talking about working with God now. Don't forget. But I'm looking at it on a personal level and how that you can work with God. Leadership is not the acquisition of worldly knowledge. I, I hear people teach psychology today and call it faith. I don't know if I get what I'm saying here. No! Let me give you an example. First King chapter 4, verse 30. Working with God is not human education. It's not human knowledge. Leadership is not human education. Oh, glory. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of his country and all the wisdom of Egypt. Did you get that? Solomon's wisdom excelled. Praise God. Okay, look at another one. Acts chapter 7 verse 22. Acts 7, 22. Hmm. And Moses was learning all the wisdom of all the Egyptians. I was mighty in words and indeed, But Solomon's wisdom excelled that of Moses. Can you get that? Moses learned the wisdom of the Egyptians, so worldly wisdom. But the wisdom of Solomon was unique. 
And the wisdom of Solomon excelled all of other wisdom, even that of the Egyptians. So the wisdom of Solomon superseded that of Moses. Did you get that? Leadership is not worldly wisdom. I want us to cash that in our work with God so that we understand that this journey that we're in, <laughs> just like Enoch, we have to go in there to catch some revelations. You have to go into that sacred place to cast that revelation and know what to give to the people part time. The book of Luke, the Bible tells us, Luke 12, that who is a faithful servant but he that comes and give meat to the people in due season. That means it's not all messages you preach any time. There are meat in due season. That means there are messages in due season. You don't watch TV because somebody preached a message, you take note and then you go and teach your people. No! That's not how to work with God. <laughs> because the condition of your people may not be the condition of the man preaching over there. There is a meat in due season for God's people that has placed under your care. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Most training is in the school of God. If you truly, truly want to work with God, then your training should be in the school of God. Moses was for his hand, the wilderness that was part of training. Right? Wilderness for how many years? 40 years. Taking care of sheep behind the scene. That was a training school. For 40 good years, we were taking care of sheep. Just reconditioning his mind on how to work with people. Because Moses was such an angry man. Remember, he was a murderer. In fact, he ran from Egypt because he killed somebody. And sometimes your running has to do with time of crisis in your life. And your crisis actually take you to the very purposes of God for your life as well. Are you still there with me? So when you are going through crisis, don't get confused. God is still at work. As long as you know he has chosen you. Sunday when I read the Bible, I'm surprised when Moses said, he taught the people we know that God has sent you to save them. How did he know? Have you read that? When he killed the first man and he came the second day, and the man said, oh, you want to kill me like you could the other man? Moses said, I'm not wrong. Because I taught that we know that I am called as your savior. Who told him? You have to know who you are. Praise God. So in taking care of sheep, he learned humility, faithfulness, promptness, humility in ordinary and spectacular affairs, if you will. Because guess what? Most time you find that women were even taking care of sheep, fishing water. I'm never remember Rebecca. Rebecca was made at the well. So here was Moses in the wilderness with some ladies. And the way they want to fetch water to help those people. He learned humility in very unspectacular manner. Praise the living God, somebody. Can you help people <laughs> in, I mean, many jobs? Can you help somebody fix his tires on the road? I mean, with all your color. Can you do that? Praise the living God. 
Moses learned humility. He learned how to care. He learned how to respect people even though they are not the same gender. How do you treat women? As a pastor. How do you treat women? How do you... Oh, are we together here? <laughs> you want to walk with God? <laughs> You're going to learn certain things. And they are not the things you learn from the sky. The things you do every day. Do you understand that? The things you do every day. That's how to walk in the kingdom. Give me, I'll come back here. But give me Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Message translation. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Look at it. See, here is what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping. You're eating. You're going to walk. And walking around in life. And place it before God as what? As an offering. This is a mature Christian. While we move in as Enoch and come out with revelation, how we deliver this revelation to people matters a lot as a leader. Praise the Lord. I say, Pastor, can you do chores with the house? Hmm? You know, you know what people don't you know I'm the head of the family? Who cares? Who cares? Can you wash plate in the kitchen as a man? In Africa, we'll call you Umarapa. Huh? Praise the Lord. Does he do that for you sometimes? He has to do it all the time. Praise God. He's a good man, I know. <laughs> Hallelujah. Take your everyday life, your everyday life, even your smiling. Place it before God. So that when you smile, people are happy. Glory to God. So you see, a true leader learns humility by natural abilities. I mean, the things you see, by implication, what I'm trying to say. True knowledge, because you see, except you are humbled by God, you can't do this thing I'm talking about now. Do you understand that? You really want to share, don't, don't you know I'm the man in this house? What's wrong with you? Oh, you are not. High-mindedness is a disqualification for leadership. Do you understand what I'm saying? Good leadership is someone who can lend a happy hand when others are not watching. Service is a spirit, not an outward obligation. Somebody who can lend a happy hand when others are not seeing you. That's a true leader. That's a true leader. Sometimes I walk into this hall and I see that the chairs are not in position. I first arrange the chairs before I move upstairs. I can't afford to see the place disorganized. And it doesn't take anything from me. I'm still who I am. Praise the living God. Come on, is anybody following what I'm saying? <laughs> Another thing I want to show you as a leader is something that so many of us will not even consider. But let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 59. Matthew 6, verse 59. King James. Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus 
to put him to death, but found none. Yet though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. Now the last came two false witnesses. And said, this fellow said, I will be able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answer thou nothing. What is it with this witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I judge thee by the living God, that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God, as it were, or not. What did he find here? One of the major quality and characteristics of a true leader is the courage to be silenced in the time of provocation. This is rare qualification. I read Matthew 6, 59 through. Did you find it there? Coming in? 26, I'm sorry. 26, 59. Praise the Lord. I mean, did you understand what I said there? One of the major qualifications for leadership is the courage to be silenced in the midst of trials. Hallelujah. Why are you silent? Or why do you keep silent sometimes? It's because of the vision that's ahead of you. What you know about God. Have you, have you heard people say, empty barrel makes the most noise? <laughs> that's just what I'm saying. People who know, they don't make noise. Can you be, can you be silent for once? In the midst of trials. In the midst of accusation. Can you still hold your peace? It's a major qualification for true leadership. Praise the living God. Even in your house, in the midst of the height of provocation, what's your reaction? As a leader. I remember the first place I was saying, my neighbor was such a, oh my, I don't know what word to use. One day, I was so touched. Our landlord called us and I went together with her. And I was trying to part my mind. The landlord said, Pastor, cool down. Calm down. <laughs> as soon as I said, Pastor, calm down, I couldn't speak anymore. He said, he said you are a pastor, calm down. And, and I understood what he said. I have to calm down. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Oh my. It's not in leadership quality to always answer everybody who spoke at you. No. The true quality of leadership, you can't answer everybody who poke his finger on your nose. You say, I can't take nonsense from anybody. You are not yet a leader. You are not. How many of you remember? Not being able to control his anger was one of the things that disqualified Moses from entering the promised land. You remember that? That's the point. You have to be able to control your anger. Walking with God? Oh. <laughs> God was telling Israel, Look, you have provoked me this number of times in the wilderness. But did God turn away from them? No. If you have a vision, no matter who try to provoke you, you're going to stay strong. Praise the living God. That's one of the ways. 
by which we walk with God. He's called out to himself. He's leading us. So a good focused leader doesn't respond to every accusation, especially if it is what will distract you from your God-given vision. You don't respond. You don't respond. I'll give up. Aren't you going to say something? He kept it peace. He will not even answer the high priest anything. In fact, scripture say it was like a lamb that was led to the stay by the sharers and opened not what? His mouth. You talk too much sometimes. When you try to answer everybody, you talk too much. You see, in the midst of talking too much, you don't even hear God talking to you. So sometimes I think we need some donkeys to talk to us like he did to the prophet. Hallelujah. Are we there? Go with me to Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to be a little bit fast on this because I need my brother to come up. Philippians 1.15. Oh glory. Message translation please. Message translation. It's true that some here preach Christ because with me, I'm out of the way. The thing that will step right into the spotlight. You know what that means? People try, because now he was in prison. So they come preaching so that they will not be recognized better as apostles because Paul was not there. But the others do it with the best heart in the world. One group is motivated by pure love, knowing that I'm here, defending the message, waiting to help, wanting to help. The others now that I'm out of the picture, I'm merely greedy, hoping to get something out of it for themselves. Their motives are bad. Motives. They see me as their competitor. And so the worse it goes for me, the better the thing for them. So how am I to respond? How am I to respond? I've decided that I really don't care about their motives, whether mixed, bad, or indifference. Every time one of them opens his mouth, Christ is what? Proclaimed. So I just cheer them on. Praise God. Did you get what Paul said here? They insulted him, I'm cheering them on. Because in the midst of that we are trying to do, Christ is what? Being preached. That's all. How do I respond to people like that? I just scare them all. Keep on insulting me. Praise God. How many of you understand sometimes why people say, that man is a bad preacher. That man is a false preacher. People said, let me listen to him and hear what he has to say. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Insult you when they are promoting you. You just keep your cool. You don't have time to respond. That's leadership. Somebody last year sent me a message from Lagos. He receives my message on WhatsApp every time. And then he was listening to the message in his parlor. And here was a friend that was sitting by him. And he was saying, Who is speaking? He said, That's uh, Pastor David. So you mean David Ogaga? Yes. But people said he's a heretic preacher. And he must say, Yes. If you are not close to him, that's what you think. Praise the living God. Must I respond when people call me names? No time. Because the more you try to say I'm a false teacher, the more people get to know about me. And they want to listen to me to decide whether it is true or false. Your enemies will promote you. 
I say your enemies will promote you. Come on. Hallelujah. I'm talking of leadership. How to be a leader. To walk with God. Look at Paul. Look at Jesus. Typical example. How do I respond to people like that? Keep them on short. Christ has been preached. The Lord has been promoted. The work is going on. Hallelujah. Inspiration. Where's the timekeeper? Let me know. My time is up because I want my brother to come up. Hallelujah. Inspiration. The next thing you must have as a leader is inspiration. Glory to God. For instance, Judges chapter 5, look at verse number 7. Judges 5 verse number 7. The Bible says, yeah, the inhabitants of the village is seized. The seized in Israel until that I, Deborah, arose. That I arose as a mother in Israel. Praise the living God. Leadership in Deborah was an inspiration to that of the prophetic ministry. He inspired the people. Those who were cold. Hallelujah. Now I'm saying, your call at walking with God is to enable you do what? Inspire people to also discover their destiny. Glory to God. I rose as a mother. What's the next thing that follows? Love. You can't inspire people. You can't cause people to move forward without loving your spirit. Don't do ministry without love. You must love the ship like you love yourself. Did you get that? He rose as what? A mother in Israel. Now let me show you that. You say about you always preaching from your testament. Oh yeah. First Thessalonians chapter 2. Look at verse 7 and look at verse 11, if you will. Verse 7 and verse 11. Let me read those two passages. But we were among you. He said, no, what did he say? We were gentle among you. Even as what? A nurse cherished our children. That's leadership. We were gentle among you. Even as a nurse cherished her children. Look at verse 11. As you know how we exalted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doeth what? His children. Did you see that? Real love is the key to ministry as you work with God. Do you love your flock? Do you love people? Even when you want to tell people about what you believe, how do you present it? As a leader. Praise the living God. Motherly passion for a spiritual family is vitally important. A burning desire to give God a house is another thing I wanted to share with you. A burning desire to give God what? A house. Vitally important as a leader. Psalm 132 verse 1. The burning desire to give God a house. It's critical for you to walk with God. Look at that. Lord, remember David and all his afflictions. Verse 2. How he swore unto the Lord and vowed unto the mighty God of Jacob 
Verse 3 says, Surely I will not come into the tabernacle of my house, nor go up into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes, or slumber to my eyes, until I find a place for the Lord, and habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. Praise God, somebody. I won't rest, I won't sleep, I won't do anything until I find a place for the house, I mean for, for the very God of Jacob. The desire to give God a house, the desire that drives you to make God inhabit his people is paramount in your work with God as a leader. You don't flip the flock. You see, Paul said, <laughs> this one thing we're trying to do to cause Christ to be bettered in your life. In other words, a true ministry will cause the listener to be pregnant with Jesus. Hallelujah. Look at this Exodus 15. I got two minutes more. Exodus 15, verse number two. Exodus 15, verse number two. The Lord is my strength and song. And he has become my salvation. He's my God. And I will prepare him what? A habitation. My father's God. And I will do what? Exalt him. I will prepare him what? A habitation. This should be your mindset. Do you, do you, have you come to that place where you raise people so that God can have a dwelling place in their lives? Or you just do all that you do so that Man, we always look unto you as the only one that is called. The only one that have the grace and the graces. No! That's not how to work with God. Prepare God a what? A place of habitation. So that you now have many temples sitting down together. Is anybody following what I'm saying? You are a temple, I'm a temple. Everyone here is a temple of the... No, you know that you are what? The temple of the living God. That's what prepare the people where God can stay by the Spirit. That's leadership. And the work with God. Hallelujah. Are you see that? You remember the ladder that Jacob had in Genesis 28? Saw a ladder up in the heaven, touching the head. Angel ascending or descending. And then when you come to the book of, I think, the book of John chapter 1, very good. You begin to see Jesus saying, Angels ascend or descend. What do you think he's talking about? Not physical angel. He's talking about you and I. Through Christ, we can ascend to God and come down again. We go to God, get revelation, come down and dispatch to the people. We make the house of God, the people of God, the very ladder that they too can ascend to touch the heavens and come down and make manifest what they see. Thy will be done on earth and somewhere in the heavens. Until you make people to ascend, you have not started ministry. Until you call them to see heaven for themselves, you have not started ministry. Until they begin to touch God in reality, you have not started ministry. Everybody has to go through the ladder, which is Christ. It's not meant for you alone, it's meant for everybody. Am I talking to someone here? Praise the living God. So I want you to get that. So we find that in John 1.48, Nathaniel said that Jesus told Nathaniel, I am that ladder that Jacob saw in Genesis 28. Amen? Praise the living God. Oh, I think I need to stop here. So much to say. Take the scripture and then we're gone. Colossians 1.25. Glory to God. Colossians 1.25. Wherefore I made Paul speaking. A minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you. To fulfill the word of God. 
Glory to God. To fulfill or to fully preach the word of God. Next thing is even the mystery which have been hid from ages and from generations, but now is being manifest to his sense. To whom God will make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is what? Christ in you. What? The hope of glory. Whom we preach, one in every man, and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man, what? Perfect in Christ Jesus. This all we need to do. This is our ministry. Presenting every man, what? Perfect in Christ Jesus. That it will have access to the Father. We're raising more sons every day. When we come to fellowship, we're raising sons. I'm talking of working with God. That we may build him a tabernacle on the face of the earth. That all the congregation, your people listening to you, they become a house, a dwelling place of God through the Spirit. That wherever and at any point in time, they have access to their Father. Oh, come on. Jesus will say, when you pray, say this, our Father. That's my Father. is also what? Your Father. They have access to God. Not just you doing all of the show. No, 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 no. They to have access to God. I want a situation. I see a situation where your ministry replicates himself in people. And that is what God has called us to do. Our work with God is to replicate ourselves in people. Replicating ourselves, I mean Christ in people. That it will stand tall wherever they find themselves to become a manifestation of Christ on the face of the earth. Have I helped you in any way? Thank you so much. Praise God. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.